We love the power and grace of athletes, artists, CEOs, and high achievers with their zest and grit. But have you ever wondered how they cut through all the distractions, harness their energy, and get them to flow to achieve their goals? And what do they do with the money that comes their way? I'm Darren Wright, author of Peak Financial Fitness. Join me on a fascinating journey to gain a peek into the intersection of high-performing people and everyday financial life. There will be highs and lows and inspiring stories for you to achieve your goals. Welcome to Finding Financial Flow. We are sitting here with my friend Eric Ballister, who is a retired U.S. Air Force combat controller and board member for Shields and Stripes. Eric uh, is here to inform and inspire us about his journey with Legacy Expeditions and raise money for Folds of Honor and delve into their upcoming incredible adventure of rowing with five comrades across the daunting Drake Passage, a treacherous 600-mile journey from South America to Antarctica. And before we get into it, I want you to listen to this. It's known as the most dangerous stretch of sea in the world. Over 20,000 sailors in 800 ships have been lost at sea in the Drake's Passage between South America and Antarctica. Why would anyone in their right mind attempt to cross Drake's Passage in an unpowered rowboat? And what type of man would try to do it in less than 12 days? Why tempt that fate? Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Join us and follow the Drake's Fury Expedition as a group of former U.S. Special Operations soldiers embark on a 22-month journey across three oceanic rows, culminating in an attempt to conquer Drake's Passage and break the world record in honor of our fallen U.S. service members. We need your continued support to raise $7 million for Folds of Honor, which provides educational sponsorships for military and first responder families. Follow us at LegacyExpeditions.net and FoldsofHonor.org. Never forget, forever honor. Awesome. I got, <laughs> I got chicken skin. <laughs> That's it. We're done. That's the end of the <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. Cool. <laughs> so that is uh, just incredible. So uh, what led you to this point to, to do this type of uh, amazing adventure? Still trying to figure that out. When people find out what, what I'm doing, they're like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? Um, but there's there's a bunch of things that drive me towards doing interesting things or doing hard things. It, it's, it's part of my pedigree. It's part of um, the community that I came from also. So it's like almost a no-brainer when my buddy presents this idea to me. He's like, what are you doing? What do you, what do you got going on next year? It's like, whatever you're about to say it's probably going to be a yes. And there's like this trust that I have that that's extended to people that come from, you know, the, the military in general, there's almost like a, a default trust there, Autom automatic. And then once you, once you come from the special operations community, it's an, e it's an e even deeper trust in this camaraderie. So chances are, if he's presenting an idea to me and he's saying, listen, I'm doing something you want in, I'm probably going to say yes, because we have similar backgrounds and similar pedigrees. But there is something specific to me where I know that there's growth behind challenge. And it doesn't have to be like a physical challenge or emotional or psychological or whatever. I know that there's growth behind challenge. So the more ridiculous it sounds, I'm, I'm going to tend to look at it as a growth opportunity. So yeah, in, in short... Once I found out that it was with a group of guys like this, that right there makes it a win in, in my book because I'm going to get a chance to share time with some people that I, I love. I love being around people like this. So uh, shared adversity is, is one of the reasons. But there's a, couple, there's a couple more reasons, too, that we could dig into. I think your audience is very aware of his purpose, like being behind some cause that has true purpose and alignment with what your goals are, then it's unquestionable when things pop up in your life, when 
when an opportunity pops up, if you don't, if you've done the work and you've looked at your goals and you know what your purpose is, then it's too easy to filter out the things that are good ideas, but don't really align or it's not going anywhere or the thing that has purposeful alignment. It's going to be hard, but it's almost like unquestionable. Yeah, this, this has alignment. This is a good use of my time. So when you, when you talked about the growth aspect of it and that green and growing mindset, you're either growing or dying, yeah. you know, yeah. what is it about that? Because when we were talking previously about when you were deployed uh, and you served 20 years yep. in the military, special yep. forces, yep. and the other people that are rowing with you are all special forces as well from Correct. different branches. You were in the U.S. Air Force, special Correct. special operators. Uh, and But you talk about growth. What is it about that growth mindset that you think that, that you have and that other people that you know have that uh, has caused you to be a leader and to – take on these extreme challenges. What is it about that growth mindset? I think the fact that special operations, the group of five, five other guys that are Marine Corps, Army, Navy, and, and I'm representing the Air Force, the special operations community does a great job of um, attracting, selecting, and assessing people for attributes. So they do a really good job of saying, if you join the military, that already ha- tends to associate with somebody that has service that the idea of service or the idea of being part of a um a bigger cause or benevolence or uh, sacrifice that's a general attribute associated with somebody i'm making general statements but that's that's a general attribute for anybody who joins the military well within the special operations community the unique thing about that is you have to raise your hand again. So when you raise your hand again, now you're starting to filter out the people's people's attributes. And the special operations community has done a good job of targeting key attributes for people that would thrive in, in a special operations environment, which can span, you know, the craziest environments. So the attribute of uh, continuous growth or adaptation or um, resilience. There's some key attributes that that special operations looks for, and continuous growth is one of them. Is not resting on your laurels and you know being able to look at yourself critically and being able to accept critical feedback. You know, feedback from your from your peer group. So that right there lends itself to create a population to pull from that all have this attribute in them in some form or fashion. You have some people that just go off the rails with it and they're like <laughs> nonstop. They're, they're learning while they sleep. They're listening to a podcast while they sleep. Um, so all the guys on the team all have that attribute to them, but there's something else also to this group of guys where it was, you know, there was an assessment and selection process for the team also to say, yes, you come from special operations background, but is does this align with you purposefully? Because it's going to be heinous. It's going to be ridiculously difficult. doesn't matter how much we train for it. And you better have some purpose behind the, your motivation to be here. But I call it, I have the seven, the way that I look at it, you have to have seven motivators for you to make it through the pipeline because it gets really, really challenging. You get pre-scuba is like the hardest thing that we do. Pre-scuba is the most demanding physical school and mental psychological school you have to go through for us in, in, in our training pipeline. You dr- they drowned you in this course. So if you don't have seven different motivators, I guarantee one of those days in pre-scuba, whatever your top motivator was, that ain't going to keep you around. That ain't going to send you to the pool to go get drowned. So you have to have multiple levels of motivation. And if you have something purposefully motivating you to do something extremely challenging, then you're going to be able to be successful. But I don't care how strong you are. We have an Olympic rower on our team, a Navy SEAL commander, gold medalist rower. 
we thank God for this guy also. But even if you're an Olympian, you still could easily fail at this thing if, you, if you're not purposefully aligned with it. When it's sideways raining on you and it's freezing out and you're dodging icebergs and there's a freaking aura, a, a orca that's trying to eat you, like <laughs> you better make sure that you got something purposeful that you're aligned with. So to go back to it, the continuous growth and the accepting challenge is something that I fostered and developed in the special operations community. I had it before I come from that, but it was fostered and developed in my service. And then I also, after I got out, have been able to look back on some of the most challenging things I've went through like pre-scuba and I can recognize the growth that came from that not just because of getting a scuba bubble on your uniform. Like that's what used to motivate me is like, I just want all the flair on my uniform. I want to have so many things where somebody sees me like, oh my God, that guy is a freaking ninja. It used to motivate me, but now I, I recognize the challenge that I accepted to go through that training has translated across the board for every single thing that I'm presented with now in my life. So there's like this attachment. I I have this deep attachment to challenge. And again, not just physical. I chose to pursue my MBA after I got out of the military because I knew I'm going to have to become relevant in something else. I, I, the, the spec ops stuff, that was cool and all, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I better learn the private sector. So I pursued my MBA and I knew nothing about the private sector. So it was like, I knew an immersive environment, like immersing myself with business professionals that have been dominating for 30 years in, in their respective field. I knew that was that right there is something that I did while I was in the military and it produces. So go stress yourself out by taking an economics class, you know, right after I got out of the military. So embracing challenge is not just an individual to me. It's within the special operations community. And with this Drake's passage is now one challenge. There's so many different ways to challenge yourself. I had no background in rowing, zero. So it's like, okay, <laughs> I know what to do to, to prepare for a challenge. Don't go into it blind. Well, that's incredible. I mean, there's so much there to unpack, actually. So let's let's talk a little bit about going back that you knew that you had this growth mentality um, even before you got in the military. So talk just a little bit about that. And then as you went through, it's kind of like stair steps. It, um, you know, like to me, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like you had it, you developed it even more in the military, and now you're you could, you know, you could just let it go. Yeah, you could just like, hey, I've I've accomplished my goals, but now you still seek challenges. You're seeking growth. You're embarking on this amazing, incredible challenge. Uh, not only is it hard to do in general, uh, but the last group did it in 12 days, and now you're going to beat. You're aiming to beat that record, and I'm right. sure you will. Right. And your goal is 10 days. Right. Yeah. And you're rowing. If I didn't make that clear, there's no motor here. <laughs> <laughs> there's no. There's no motor. We're not. We're not attaching our vessel to any dolphins, or um, we don't have any. <laughs> we don't have the ability to generate anything, uh, any energy other than with the use of our legs, our back, and our arms. So it it will be. Uh, we we're setting a ambitious goal to to break a record from somebody who did it before, and the people that did it before have a way higher pedigree when it comes to rowing, but we have something also. We're bringing something to this that they don't have, um, and we know that that's relevant in this. Um, so I, f I forgot your question. Well, uh, going back, I, I wanted you to go back to oh, pre-military, yeah. right. that growth mindset. What's an right. example of that? And I think it, it, this is translating not just to the growth mindset. I'm aware of all the habit patterns and all the – key attributes that I have are linked. They're all linked to early childhood exposures, but I have to link it back to individual exposures around my family and all my family serves. So I knew it, there's something linked there. There's, there's always been this call to serve with, for all my family and then exposures to my mom and, and watching her defy odds and 
approach challenges with this, not never quit because that's got like a negative stigma in my eyes now. Quitting is always an option. It's probably a good option sometimes too. But my mom was just the resilience in her. And I think that's where it started. The resilience piece kind of started fueling a lot of these other things too to say, not only will I make it through it, but I'm going to, I'm going to defy what a lot of expectations are at the same time too. So it's like this, I don't, I don't know if like, it's just wanting to prove myself all the time. There's probably some of that going on there too. That has all been, you know, it, it looks different throughout the years. Like you're suggesting it looks a certain way in my early childhood, but now what it looks like in my current form is continuous growth and not resting on your laurels and associating the challenge as a, as a positive thing. It, I, I believe that's where it comes from. There's a, there's a couple different things in, you know, my brother, my older brother too, my, my brother just beat the tar out of me when I was younger. And there's something there too. Like I'm going to come back as soon as I get up, I'm coming, I'm coming right back after you again. And then figuring out like, how do I beat him? Like, how do I, how do I get stronger than him? So that's turned into a healthy thing at some point, um, for me. And it served me very well. Are you bigger than your brother now? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and we have such a, a great relationship with the fact that he comes from the Marine Corps and I was in the air force. So it's like, we're just setting ourselves up to be at each other's throats. Um, but it's a, I, I, there's a negative viewpoint on that, but there shouldn't be like, even with bullying, like at a certain point you're going to, I'm sorry, the real world is going to bully you up a little bit. And it's like, there's this default, you know, approach to, you know, getting punched in the mouth or, or falling on hard times. And it's like, hold on. That's what makes you who you are. That's what is going to present an opportunity for you to, break out of whatever you're being pointed towards or whatever you're, whatever you're supposed to be because that's how you, the area you were born in, or that's how you're, that's how you were raised. I don't want to be governed by that. I don't, I don't want to have that as my bumpers. So challenge lets you break out of that. And sometimes you got to lean forward and look for the challenge too. Like, don't just, don't just wait for it to happen. Like, that's something big for me is like inviting it, inviting this stress. It's so much more manageable than the one that's not invited and growth is coming after that too. So it serves me. And I believe that my team also believes the same thing also. Yeah. That's one of the realities uh, uh, that's out there that you really have to be proactive in, in life. And, um, we were talking beforehand about different hacks you can do, life hacks, just to try and give yourself an edge, whether it's, you know, watching the sunrise in the morning and then stacking goals and so forth. But, you know, um, you said something about goals and having at least seven, I think you said seven yeah. motivators yeah. or reasons. Yep. Um, so I want to get back, I want to get to that about like why seven, why is that the magic number? But it gets me thinking a little bit about the reality of, of setting goals and getting that alignment down and using what, what I like to help our clients with is using a Maslow's hierarchy approach mm-hmm. yeah. where we, we go through their Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So we'll use the term what's important about money mm-hmm. to you, mm-hmm. and they'll provide an answer. And then we'll use that answer, which is kind of level one, you know, basic food and shelter kind of an answer. Right. Like never running out, for example. Right. And then it would be like, well, what's important about never running out? Right. And then like, well, because I want to take care of my family and what's important about taking care of your family. And then we'll have them list those up on, on, uh, stairs, so to speak. Yeah. And each answer feeds on the previous one and it gets them up to like a third level. Yeah. Um, if we do it right and it's a little bit more ethereal, you know, it's like what God called me to do or Mm -hmm. it's my higher purpose or I want to make it transformative impact on the world, yeah. you know, and that's, that's where the real impact is and the breakthrough. And so that oftentimes that's like seven, 10 value statements or yeah. words. And uh, so it resonated me with when you said that. So, so interesting. Why, yeah. 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 You're, I think you just, 
you just uh, connected those things for me personally. And th- of course, nothing is ever new. Like if you think you've cracked the code and you developed something new, you didn't. This has been thought of before. So yeah, to your point, the seven is just some arbitrary number. And the reason that I bring it up is if you think that your environment won't present a situation to where you could not plan for it, like you're you're living in la-la land. At some point, you will be rocked. You're going to get hit with something. You're going to get punched in the mouth. You're going to get punched in the mouth several <laughs> times. And I think the battlefield kind of set me up. It presented that. It made it clear as day. Like, you can plan for every single contingency. And that's what we usually do is we plan for the mission to go flawless, but then we deliberately plan for contingencies and we think about everything. And I have been on every single mission I've been on, a new contingency popped up and lessons learned came from that. And then you add that to the list of things to now plan for. So now my seven motivations, absolutely. I I think what you said is, is exactly it. It's, there has to be different reasons that you're doing whatever you're doing, especially if you're going to be presented with some sort of resistance or the environment is going to react in a way to get you off course. So yeah, I wanted to go do cool things in the military because that was what I grew up with. I grew up with watching my heroes, you know, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predators, like one of my favorite movies. And that, great. that dude was bad to the bone <laughs> and he's part of this elite team. Um, so like there's all these different motivators for me I, just to do something cool and then to prove myself and then to be part of an, a, an organization that has notoriety and has, you know, has achieved some incredible things and then to serve with the best people to serve with the, uh, the most internally motivated patriotic people. That was a huge motivator for me, but I didn't realize that until the very end, like that was it. But there's also like a spiritual purpose to it, to achieve something great and then to be of service because again, war and pre-scuba, I watched some of the strongest people. It, like these people were physical phenoms. I watched those people scream for their moms, like in the pool. Cause you are the, 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 we call the water, the great equalizer. It's going to find your give up. If you got some give up, it's going to find it. So if you haven't figured out like, all right, what's going to keep me in this when that is happening? When I'm getting pummeled, I'm getting drowned, like your hands and feet are tied and you have to go do some drill in the deep end. If you don't have something that's keeping you there, that's that's the next level, you're raising your hand. Then they're looking for that. They're purposely looking for that give up in you, in Darren. They know Darren's a phenom. He was part of the water polo team and there's nothing that they could do to you in that water that's going to stress you out. They're going to figure it out. And it might be on land that they do it. But that's the attributes that I'm talking about is they're looking for your give up. And when they find it, they're going to press you. And then they want to see what you do. That's the key attribute. It's not necessarily how big you are. I'm not a big dude, but I don't, I also don't give up. And if I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up again. They would rather see that than the person that's like seven foot tall, 400 pounds, jack steel monster who could keep a tight shot group. Like they want to see the guy that they can find his give up. And then what does he do after that? Hmm. Does he still perform for his team? Is he still trusting? Is he, can you still trust him? Is he, does he, you know, what is at your lowest point? What, what is your behavior look like? And that it's not about being, you know, scuba qualified. It's not about getting, getting through dive school. It's about, to me, that's what it is. So it's, if you don't have all those things prepared to access, to dig into, to be like, okay, it's getting really hard, but now this is the reason that I'm here. Then you're going to throw in the towel and the environment wins and adversity wins. And 
you're stuck in that little, again, that path that you were destined to be in, you're stuck in there now. So I think that there's, uh, it's interesting to hear your perspective on it. You're absolutely right. That's, and that, what a beautiful thing you could do for your audience to walk somebody through that because you really get them to start living at that point. If you can get somebody to be not so attached to compensation, like compensation is very important, but it is not your priority. I guarantee it. It's, there's something else there. So it might be your faith. It might be your purpose. It might be your environment. It might be geographical. Um, there are so many things that are so much more important than whatever this arbitrary number is, but it might be really important for you to build generational wealth. And if you tease that out of somebody, then, then it makes it so much clearer to them. Well, I don't have to stay focused on this one project or this one client or this one even profession. If you're trying to build generational wealth and you're not so hyper-concerned about seven figures in two years, then let me help you do that. Let's start looking at 30 years from now, I will help you build generational wealth. It's going to be a little challenging during these next two years or five years. So if you can provide that to somebody, that is huge. You're changing people's lives and potentially their families' lives, generations down the road. Yeah, you know, it is uh, it is interesting. Goals are dynamic. And uh, so when people talk about, you know, goals originally surface level, it's oftentimes you know, what you might think of taking care of my kids' education, mm-hmm. having enough money one day. So if I choose to not work or can't work anymore, that I can have some money to live on, um, maybe a second home, you know, vacations, travel. And then if they really start taking time and thinking about their why and their reasonings and get proper alignment, and the term I use is financial flow. It's like mm-hmm. getting into the zone, right? Yeah. You get into flow where uh, that there's creativity follows flow. So you get an alignment, you know, with your values, your goals, and all of a sudden the the prefrontal cortex sh- shuts down or slows down and you start thinking creatively versus analytically. And there may be things that pop up that are financial goals and and but they also then all of a sudden open up doors and opportunities to do other things. Yeah. You know, and it may end up being service. Like service comes to mind again, you mentioned it a number of times. But a lot of times people have that inside of them, but they may not even be thinking about it. Yeah. So they may be thinking, God, I want to go to Africa one day. But then when they start maybe getting their, putting their values aligned with their goals, like, wait a minute, I have a calling uh, to serve others and, and help others or coach others. And maybe that's spending time in Africa or and you don't have to leave the United States. You can go anywhere that, it, you know, downtown Phoenix and serve and help others. Yeah. And, uh, but in terms of like a travel goal, you know, I'm going to, I want to go to Africa, but I'm going to, now I'm going to do it to serve others with my, my community program or my church or something like that. It kind of starts all coming together. And then from that comes purpose. And then there comes happiness. Yeah. You know, Um, I believe that I totally believe they're, they're all linked. It's all linked. And if you do the work to scrape a little bit lower, you, there's always an ability to scrape a little bit lower. It'll present itself. Some people live their whole lives not even realizing that. Right. Yeah. Totally true. So let's get back to a little bit about your your service. And thank you for serving. You're welcome. I, I can't remember if I told you, but my son, youngest son, just joined the Navy. You did tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a boot camp right now. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. So they call it P week, process week. Uh, well, he's now in week one. So I guess it's now officially begun. But head shave, the whole nine yards, and um, you we haven't heard me, from him. You got to give me his address to, to mail him a letter. This is very important when okay. somebody's going through basic training. You have to get get him a little bit of negative attention while he's going through. It's good for him. You write a letter and you write something about the navy. The navy is the, you know the worst branch or something to get him some negative attention when the instructors are when the when the uh, drill instructors are handing out mail and they see this thing my brother did that to me and it was it's, it's good for him it's okay. character building they're okay. gonna be like oh okay you got a letter and it says something you want to explain you got to give me it's i i would okay, i would awesome. i would love love to be able to provide that to him i will i'm gonna help <laughs> you with that thank you for helping me yeah um, so Eric did, uh, he just, reti- you just retired recently, really in I did 2020. Th- uh, yeah. Three years ago, three years ago. So 20 years of service, special operations, veteran, uh, supporting combat operations. You were, uh, serving, 
uh, 10 counterterrorism tours, including three Afghanistan, three Iraq, three East Africa. And your last combat tour was in 2017 when you and a team of 11 Americans fought to free the Syrian people uh, from the grips of the violent ISIS organization. Man, that was that was some gnarly shit that you did. <laughs> really impressive. Thank you for thank. I mean, I I can't. I, so many of us just can't say enough to thank you for you guys going out there and doing what you do. Um, we en- we enjoyed it, and, and you're welcome. We enjoyed uh, what we did, and I'll I'll tell you, it didn't matter where the you know it could have it could have been in the Bahamas. It could have been you know. It, does, it doesn't matter where the deployment is just to go out there with the people that I was out there with. That was the best part was just being with a group of people aligned towards something and, and to be able to do your job as well. That's like you train really hard to do your job. You want to be able to see if you're any good at it. So, um, I, in short, I, I really enjoyed what I did. Um, but I also checked the block at the same time. Like I don't need to do anything like this anymore. Like I've, I'm done with that. So going overseas and, and doing that, I still have friends that continue to do it. And I encourage them to look elsewhere for, for an, another way of, you know, being compensated or earning a living. But it was, um, I enjoyed the 20 years and it was a busy time for us. Um, we had constant. I mean, it had to be one of the busiest continual stretches of the U.S. military ever in yeah. our history yeah. as a country. It, yeah, it was nonstop. And there was, at some point, there was almost like this reactionary uh, cyclical pattern where leaders thought that it needed to be 100% deployment rate. So I was like, okay, that's where I started looking at it. The latter part of my career, I was like, oh, this is not this doesn't end like, and i and that helped me make that decision to say at 20 i i'm going to walk away from this because it it's not going to end the next leader that comes in unfortunately is also trying to be as successful if not more successful than the other guy so it's like i don't know that this i don't i don't know if we ever succeed in this capacity and if i stay here then I and my family continue to suffer. And I, I, I'm very aware of that now. The families are the ones that are left, like, picking up the pieces in the end. So it's like, I don't think you keep on doing that to your family, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for everything you've done. And You're welcome. It's amazing. Um, so tell us, as, as you reflect back on your military career, um, how, how important is it to have a team, goals, process, leadership, support, mission, motivation, all of those things. Because we we talked to people that are NFL coaches. Uh, we had Allison Schmidt on, who's an Olympic athlete, CEOs of corporations. And there's there's a parallel to a lot of that. Uh, Allison Schmidt said it was all about support. Marv Lewis, very similar support. Um, but And then in our the work we do for people and helping them get their financial houses in order and, and the work we do, there's leadership, there's organization, we have processes, clients have their goals, alignment, motivation, there's a mission. So with the military, how important is it to have those things? It's, it's critical from the point of view of you can be able to do something incredible once, like you can have somebody who's very talented and can do something incredible once, but that's not what we're in the business of doing. We're in the business of doing it consistently and keeping a presence over there and keeping things in some sort of predictable outcome. We're, we're looking for a predictable outcome, which, which is, which you need consistency there in order to be able to produce that. So you need something to, um, support you to support the longevity of it. If you don't have for us, if we didn't have the support, if we didn't have, you know, everything, all the enablement pieces, then we'd only be able to produce this thing once. And then we would, we would, it would take us forever to come back together, refit and get ready to do it again. So I realized that now is, and it gets said a lot, the support is the, the thing that keeps this machine moving. If you don't have that, you have no 
consistency whatsoever. And I'm, I'm realizing that even with Drake's, Drake's Fury, the team of support that we have is the only reason that we're going to be able to do anything even remotely incredible is we have to have a bunch of smart people looking at this, backing us up, helping prepare us, and then supporting us throughout the expedition too. We have to have a support vessel for recovery just in case something happens. There has to be a support vessel there that's capable of recovery and then higher care, you know, having some sort of triage uh, capability on there. So without a doubt in the military, you need it. You need the backside support because once something happens, there needs to be either a follow-on force or, or a quick reactionary force, or there needs to be something available to, to, to back you up. Cause it, every, every single time, Leave it to the enemy to make things harder for us. They're, they're always Weird. they're always throwing a wrench in our plan. So it's it's critical. I'm aware in the military, and I'm definitely aware in you know in this new phase that I'm in that you can have the best organization with the best talented people, but unless you have the support system there to back them up, they're only going to be able to produce X for a certain amount of time before. Now they're, they don't have the energy. They don't have the uh, administrative functions. They don't have the development even like to keep them motivated. There's so many things that, that are feeding into them performing X for you. And it's, it's not sustainable if you don't have something robust there to back them up. And you have that also in the Drake's Passage right. crew. So you have six badasses doing this. You've got a goal. You want to do this in under 10 days. Yep. You, um, you have your team of six uh, badasses. You've got a process that you're working right now with EXO and North Scottsdale. Right. That's uh, one of them. And then we also have uh, other programming, strength and conditioning programming through Power Athletes. So there's this protocol that we're following to both build ourselves up physically. So build the strength, but at the same time, addressing the, um, the endocrine system also. So stress loads and trying to manage that both during and after, but before, during and after. So there's some emphasis on, you know, your sleep hygiene is one of them that we brought up several times sleep hygiene before we execute this thing. Because the more that you could build that sleep bank, the more that you could, you can build up this help, healthy sleep pattern is going to set you up for the best possible start point because front, right from that start point, it's all downhill from there. There's our, our recovery cycle is going to be cut down to potentially 60 minutes. So we have 90 minutes on of rowing, 90 minutes off of rowing. And in order to eat, use a bathroom, you put, put some powder on your feet, whatever you essentially only get 60 minutes of sleep. So we're not going to hit full sleep cycles. We're not going to fully recover. And to have a team of experts looking at that is absolutely incredible. It's so cool. Totally. I, I, as soon as I saw the support that was coming along with this, I was like, without a doubt, this reminds me of the good old days of having the world's best support, the, the support system that we had while we were in, it would blow your mind that the every possible contingency having something in place, not even conceptually, not even just saying, Hey, we've thought about this problem that could happen. No, they thought about it and they put something in place to react within a critical window. You know, some t they call it the golden hour. You have an hour. Typically if somebody gets injured, you got an hour. So putting things in place for when the contingency happens and not like having to say, okay, now let's start making phone calls. That level of support was like one of the coolest things that I, I had an opportunity of taking advantage of while I was in doing some really doing those, all those deployments. I had the world's best support backing me up. And I'll tell you that, that can help you make the decision to run through fire or whatever, whatever crazy thing people end up doing. And I've seen some, 
amazing things people do. You can do that knowing like you got some amazing support. Enabling I, I love you. that. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's certainly going to help you guys with your confidence in what you're going to be doing in Drake's yeah. Passage because you've actually experienced that. Yep. You know what that feels like. And then as they all do, because they've all been in special ops. Yep. And so they're all going to have that. And even the, the Olympian was a special operator as well. Mm-hmm. So he's double, double yeah. support <laughs> yeah. experience. Uh, you know, I, that totally makes sense to me. Uh, I, I like to talk to people about it's like getting your a double black belt in karate. Uh, so like if you were to walk down the street in a bad city or city in a bad part of town and there's a couple of, uh, you know, dudes walking on the other side of the street and they look like they're up for trouble, you know, you're going to be a little nervous or maybe very nervous. Mm-hmm. But if you're a double or triple black belt, you still may be nervous, but you have a lot more confidence. You can handle the situation yeah. that may present itself to you. And that's that's what you're talking about. That's, that's what I like to talk about when the importance of getting your financial house in perfect order mm-hmm. and keeping it that way, because it, you just, it's like working out. You just don't go and get it set up and it stays that way. You got to yeah. have a support team that's anticipating keeping it there and all be thinking about contingencies that come up down the road. Yeah. Shit happens, you know? So it's like, do you want to be part of the of the financially successful that has their financial house in perfect order or part of the financially successful that don't. Yeah. Because there are consequences to not having your shit together. So like you said, the guys in that were attempting to join, you know, the elite club and the special operators in the Air Force with you and pre scuba, they may be able to have a, a nice tight grouping or they may be just, you know, steel athlete and yep. a total badass. But they maybe didn't have the full picture, right? And you got to have everything in place. I like that. Up. You know, well, well done with that analogy too to draw those parallels. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Even if you know financial, you're not financially or um, compensation or monetarily driven. It's still a very big variable for you. So you can react to the contingencies because they will happen. Your house might explode your car could break down does that cripple you so i love the the analogy the way that you draw those parallels it's brilliant brilliantly said to have somebody prepare to have support in place for those contingencies translates across the board hands down it does and we know we've seen it so many times in special operations and and now I'm witnessing the perils once I get out. You see the stories that happen, all the stories that happen that have movies about them or there's notoriety. If people aren't aware, that's just a shitty ass situation that people did not prepare for. And I and I know that might rub people the wrong way. That might make people, you know, that's really rude. You know, you're, you're taking away. I'm just telling people what, what the truth, the cold hard truth is if there's been a movie made about it, generally speaking, there were some people that went into a situation that they should not have gone into, or they should have went into with a double black belt. Like that's what it ends up being. So now I'm aware that that's no different than any other situation that we're getting ourselves into potentially now with Drake's fury. We don't have any None of us should be out there rowing in the world's most dangerous waters. But that being said, it's not about rowing. There's something bigger than that. And if we're going to do something like that, then you better have some great support and you better start preparing yourself physically, mentally, even spiritually to do something like that. You don't just go into it and say, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty tough guy. I got some grit. I got resiliency. No. We're, we're smarter than that. So to go back to it, yeah, the support and the preparing for contingencies will bring a spear gun with us just in case that so we can start spearing some fish just in case we run out of food. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I mean, that is so powerful, though, what you're saying. I mean, it, and it just it does translate to so many different things in life, just ha- being prepared, having those contingencies. Um, you know, in finance, it's insurance and savings and all those type of trusts and all that type of thing. 
with what you're doing, all these things you're doing on the preparation side, getting your body ready, the sleep protocol you're going to put yourselves through. And frankly, shit will happen on this trip. And right. some of it, some of it's out of your control. Right. And, you know, I, I just have in my heart that you guys are going to be successful and achieve your goal. But, you know, it may not happen. There may mm -hmm. be a disaster out of your control and you guys can reassess, you know, do it again or you fight through it, however it happens. But that's all you can control is what you can control. Right. And you're doing everything in your possible. And it's got to feel good to be surrounded by professionals and that support and the team and everybody thinking like that. And yeah, it does feel good knowing that to, to look to the right and to the left. And that was the that was the most favorite thing that during my service after I left the service, when I really started looking at it, I'm like, what did I, as I was looking for purpose after the service, like, what did I really enjoy? What's the thing? What, what is the thing that's worth digging into and looking for a way to apply it in this next chapter? And it took a ton of reflecting to finally identify that it was culturally driven. Like the culture piece was the most important piece. That's what made me the happiest is working with a group of people that's just wired a little bit differently. They're not, they're not better. I, I, I would never say that anybody in special operations is better. They're not, they're different. They, they are wired different. They have different motivations, but that was the thing that I really take with me at the end of the day. And it's something worth paying attention to for the next chapter. So being, uh, having something culturally appropriate for me and having a team that's culturally appropriate for me. They don't have to be a bunch of commandos, but the culture pieces is, is bigger than the compensation is or bigger than the actual job that I'm doing the physical job. So that's something I'm very grateful for to have been able to draw out and not necessarily drop in GPS guided bombs on, on dickheads from, you know, all over, every single bad guy on the planet. It ain't that it's, that has nothing to do with it. It was looking to the right and the left or not even having to look, just knowing they're to the right and the left of me doing the thing that we're all aimed at the, the purpose that that's the, the really big piece for me. That's the big priority purposes before that. I, if I'm not aimed at something that I care about or I want, then it doesn't matter that the team has to be a great team. But if I have to stack it in, in priority, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's the team and the guys that I'm with, I didn't know any of them. Like I met them for the first time four months ago in Austin. And like, I love those guys after day one. It's like, it's obvious. These guys are, they are wired that way. And they're the, they are the best people, the coolest people. Awesome. Are you, when you talk about that purpose, uh, I mean, it's an obvious that you guys have done this, but tell me about getting together and learning about what everyone's why is. Yeah. You've got some whys. What Did everybody break that down? Did you go through like a exercise where everybody goes through the reason they want to do this? Oh, yeah. And you guys go deep on that. Oh yeah, that it's it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, that was a that we leveraged psychological support for that as well. So we leveraged the Mount Sinai performance team that they they're the team that um, gets the Red Bull athletes ready for whatever extraordinary things they're going to do. So we're leveraging this team of clin clinicians, experts, and the psychological support helped us go through these drills, like you're suggesting, to say, okay what let's get everybody on purposeful alignment here what are your priorities what do you consider the key metric name three of them what are the three things that are most important to all of you and just that function right there forcing us through the storming norming performing of team building that was just one of the ways to like help the team get in alignment it was so cool like that was that reminded me again of being part of the the organization I was part of is having a group of experts help you get an alignment and get everybody on the same page. You might not have walked into it knowing that this is what you're, what you really prioritize. We prioritize trust, like being able to trust each other. We prioritize it being fun. We, 
we prioritize love. Like there are things that are important for us that we put a name on it. We had an exercise. We were joking around about it. That was one particular exercise to help us identify everybody's why, but everybody has also a different why in the fact that some people are doing this for a purpose that is external to them. Some people are doing it for something that's internal to them. It is, they're not the same. We, we have different, like real deep rooted drivers and, and who do we want to dedicate it to also? That's another big piece of this part of our internal purposely driven why is dedicating it to an individual and naming that individual to force you to look external to say, okay, and this is a way higher cause than anything that you can see or you can touch, but it's tangible. And and for me, that guides me. I believe that being focused on an individual or individuals that are no longer with us guides me. And then it also provides, like, I, I know that they're presenting things. They present things in, in my path to say, hey, I'm going to drop this in, right in front of you. So that's very um, important for each of us individually. Everybody's dedicated this to an individual that they care about that's no longer with us. Some people fell on the battlefield. Some people fell because of injuries sustained on the battlefield that they succumbed to after they left. So it's very important that we identify that because that's the bigger purpose for all of this is to hopefully when somebody sees it or somebody hears, somebody listens to the podcast, I hope that somebody realizes that, oh, these people have gone through something or they're going through something that's similar to what I'm going through. And what they just suggested is a potential path out of it. Like we're, we're trying to provide, to me, it's uh, an attempt to provide GPS directions out of something that they could be dealing with and they don't have the answer to. So you said, appreciate all that. You said something about, um, I lost my train of thought. Well, let's, let's go to, let's go. We're talking about the team and, and then we we're talking about obviously having that big why, the big why of right. someone that, that, you know, you guys have each lost and having that out there. I mean, that's got to be a huge motivator. And like when the times get tough out there, being able to have those other seven reasons, but and then be thinking about someone that you've dedicated this mission towards, right? It's got to make a big impact. I think it's the I think it's the final piece that really will get you to uh, get you to keep on going at, at some point. Everybody individually has theirs. They might not know what it is. They'll find it whenever the real, the real like white hook. The right, the the perfect shot on the chin. When that thing delivers, if you don't know what it is already, you'll probably find it because of that. And if you don't, then that's probably the end for you. That's what takes you out of the fight. So I believe that that thing holds the power, like the real power to prevail. And, um, and it's individual. Everybody has to have it. And it has to be, to me, it's, it has to be something spiritual. So it's gotta be, to me, it's gotta be more than just like your health or your family, or it's gotta be spiritual. And I don't, I don't necessarily believe it has to be God. It, your spirituality can, can be something other than God, but look, take, take it, take it from all the other examples and the people, um, before me. God has pre- presented the solution to every single possible challenge that anybody's gone through. So I believe that our spiritual why or our spiritual motivation is the thing that governs us all. Um, and the sooner you find that out, um, the better off you're going to be whenever, again, you're dealing with the the most challenging situation that you are going to be faced with. And I know the veteran population and even the first responder population is being 
I'm an advocate for them. I know that a, a lot, the ones that don't realize that end up living this life that is not their authentic selves. And then at the end of their lives, they're stuck with all these demons and all these regrets. And it's like, I'm trying to message to those guys. I want those guys to know that there is, there is a benefit to you accepting challenge. There is a benefit to you accepting help. There is a benefit to you addressing your spiritual and mental and physical health. There is that, that is just as relevant, if not more relevant than your attachment to being the person who saves the day or, or somebody who absorbs problems and never creates problems. So it's, uh, I, we don't, we don't want to inspire, but we want to message to those people that are, that need to hear. Like we want to do something really cool and shiny and, and have the attention behind it. But there's a reason for it, and that's to deliver this message. There's a couple things also that we're doing. We're raising funds for Folds of Honor too. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, they talked about that organization, and and you know, what, the reason you picked that organization and what they do for everybody. Right, Folds of Honor is a nonprofit that we're supporting, and we're using Drake's Fury as a fundraising effort for them. So Folds of Honor is a nonprofit that provides education services to the children of the fall. And so call them uh, gold star families. And it's not just education. It's also unique experiences. It's doing something that we know that those that fell on the battlefield wanted to do for them, or they want something for them. So it's, and that's where legacy expeditions comes in is legacy expeditions does some really cool stuff, but it is it's, it's in the name. It's about the legacy and part of the ethos, the warrior ethos, and the special operations community, remembering our friends, remembering those that fell. That is really important to us. So one way that we can remember them, one way that we can continue their legacy is by caring for their family, is by doing something special for their family. And Fools of Honor does that really well. So knowing that there's a great cause behind it too, raising funds for an organization that's doing the Lord's work, they're caring for those that if I fell on the battlefield, I would love to know that there's somebody out there doing some incredible things like that for the family members. So this is, this will be, a, this is the second fundraiser that we're going to host for them. The first one was the triple seven skydiving event that was seven skydives and seven continents in seven days. Oh, you told me about that. That's incredible. Yeah. And <laughs> my buddy, my, my buddy pulled that off and he, it was not easy. He, there is, it looks really cool. And what you guys see is cool, but that guy had to break his back to make that work. And there was, you want to talk about contingencies. That guy was hit with every possible contingency to not let him into the next country or not let him lift off the aircraft to, to do the jump. So it's doing really cool things that are getting attention. We hope people are entertained by it, but we hope that they recognize something, a message that speaks to them in their own internal fight that they're dealing with. And I guarantee it doesn't, their fight doesn't look like mine, but who who cares? Like, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Like what my experiences are and what I went through doesn't matter. We each are dealing with our own stuff and it's, and it's significant in each of our lives. So not so focused on military, you know, our experiences, you, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't understand what we're going through. Everybody's going through their own individual struggles and everybody could benefit from taking the approach that we're trying to do and calling it out and doing something about it. Yeah. Well, it's incredible. I mean, really, uh, thank you so much for your service, for coming by today and sharing what you're doing. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how people can track you yeah. and get involved, uh, follow you and in, in your training 
So yeah, where, where's the best place for people to check that out? So uh, we have, there's two different places that they could go to. One of them is the website. So Legacy Expeditions is the website to learn more about Drake's Fury and some of the other unique ways that we're getting out there and we're challenging ourselves and we're creating these experiences. They could follow us there. That's where a lot of it will be captured. And then if you'd like to support us on this event to help us pull off this ridiculously challenging event, they can go to the Gift Smart page that we have attached to the link as well. And we need the sponsorship. We need the support uh, to pull it off. And at some point after all this is done, they'll get a chance to enjoy the content piece that'll be produced to tell the the really cool story of the each of each of the six of us. So they'll be able to follow the story of all of us individually and just some of the things that we talked about today. So yeah, Legacy Expeditions, uh, follow us on social media or go to the website um, to learn more. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Well, I'm going to be donating. I'm going to be spreading the word. I'll tell my friends and family and, and all of you listening, hopefully you check it out. Um, and I'm going to also include the links to everything within the podcast. So you can you can click on the links and open the links and the PDFs and all the good stuff. So we'll get that from you. Um, so thank you again for coming. Uh, super fun, informative, inspiring. I learned a lot. I learned a ton. I, I appreciated your perspective on it, that uh, how it translates uh, to your group of people. Thank you very much for doing that. Yeah, right on. I know we learned a ton too. So thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, check us out on wherever you listen to podcasts or watch because there is video as well. So Apple, Amazon, Spotify, check it out. Thank you for listening. Make it a great day. This was the Financial Flow Podcast with me, Darren Wright. Thank you for listening. And I hope that today you were inspired and informed to move even more into your peak financial flow for success. Oh,